This message is brought to you by Living Faith Church. You can find us on the web at livingbyfaith.com. I was going to speak about something else this morning, which I told you last week, but I lied. So there you go, a pastor who lies. I will get to it, but the reason I'm telling you I'm not doing that is because I was going to do it, and then God kind of led me a different way, and he wanted me to do something a little bit differently. And so I'm going to do it today, but I've been very overcome by what God is really doing in the lives of people right at the moment. And there's a significance to it, and there is a, a weightiness to it that transcends a, a simple happy-go-lucky message. Um, I think what God is doing in this time is something that is very much designed as an invitation to people who want to go deep with God. God's objective and goals are very often quite different to ours. And what God wants you to what God's objective and goal is with each one of us is to realize who you are as a child of God and for you to step into the fullness of what it means to be a son and a daughter of God. And there are are ways that, that God wants to do that. What's so wonderful about God is that he exists in a realm which is different to us. And the power and the influence of that realm, when we begin to touch it, transcends anything in the natural God can come into your life and do things that seem impossible. That's what's so wonderful about God. There are no limitations to who he is. We put limitations on ourselves and we put limitations on him. But from his perspective, he's the limitless God. He's the God of the impossible. To be a son or a daughter of God, I've thought a lot about that. And... I think because God is the God of the impossible and because he's the God of the miraculous, there is a side to me that used to wonder about if I was to become the son and daughter of God, how does that happen? To just kind of wake up one day and that's who I am. And I've begun to realize that God has a plan and a purpose for how he walks those things out. He created us in in an interesting way. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. I'm going to touch on that in a minute. But the thing is, God created you as an individual with your own identity. And the thing is, God is never going to invade your life. He always lives and works with us through invitation. So he's always wanting to meet us and invite us into the fullness of who he is. From the moment that you get born again, it's a wonderful thing that happens because Christ comes into our life and all of a sudden we become a brand new creation in him. And from that moment, from identifying and recognizing him as Jesus of Savior, the one who took us and redeemed us and took us out of something and brought us into life, he's always also wanting to introduce himself as Jesus as Lord. Jesus as Lord is not is, is the one who takes you from something into something new. He's wanting for you to realize the fullness of what it is to be a new creation in Christ. So I'm kind of just like wandering around the mountain right now. I'm going to get into it. But I want to do things a little bit differently um, this week, and we'll see how it goes. But I want to have more of a Bible study than a teaching. And so 
it's important because when I was looking through it, I believe what God was saying to me is, let me speak for myself. So I'm going to take some of the things, but really what I want to touch on, I'll add a little bit of commentary here and then. It's my little, it's my commercial, my addendum to things because I just want you to think about some stuff. But I want to encourage you today, if you have your phone with you, go to notes and take down, huh? and take notes, yes. Put down the scriptures, go, go and check them out, and go and spend time meditating on this, because I believe that God wants to do something in our lives that is so much more consequential than I realized. And I've, be, I've begin, begun to, to form an understanding of so much stuff that I had dismissed previously because I had the wrong context. That's part of the reason why I want to use scripture today, because the thing about it is I might say some things that perhaps will jolt you a little bit. Just stick with me over the next few weeks. What God said to me is start broad and then go narrow. Okay. So we're going to start broad today. Okay. But we're going to go narrow as we get into stuff. And I'm going to give more definition to it and give you scripture that actually supports all of the stuff. And I know I'm talking in circles, but I'm just... I'm just saying stick with me, okay? <clears throat> I want to start off in Psalm 139, verses 13. I'm going to read it from New American Standard. <clears throat> it says, For you created my innermost parts. You created my innermost parts. That was so interesting to me. You created my innermost parts. Before we even carry on, I was raised with the idea that you are a spirit, you have a body, uh, you live in a body and you have a soul. Um, I don't completely agree with that, and we'll get into why. But the problem with it as well is it created an idea for me that I was a spirit being, which in and of itself is absolutely correct, but it's rather blunt. And the view that I had was very elementary. It was like, I'm just a spirit being. And I never thought about the fact that, hold on a second, as a physical being, God created me with parts. He gave me hands, and he gave me feet, and he gave me organs, and he gave me lungs, and he gave me the ability to think. He gave me a brain, and God gave me parts to who I am as a physical being, and somehow I, I had an appreciation for the fact that as a physical being, I was made up of all of these multi-facets and components that formed who I was, but I had this idea that as a spiritual being, I was just spirit. But that's not what he says. He says, you created my innermost parts. It's plural. So what I'm proposing to you today is this. Yes, you are spirit, but what are the parts? Just like you're physical, you know what the parts are. What are your spiritual parts? It's important for us to understand what our spiritual parts are because if we don't understand what our spiritual parts are, we don't always know what is responsible for forming who we are and the contribution that it makes. And sometimes if we really don't understand the different components, we put them in the wrong space. It's important that we put everything in the right place where it should go. There is a difference between my hand and my arm. They connected there is a relationship between them, but they're different things. Yeah. 
If I say to you, move your fingers, I'm looking for your hand to do something. It's no point your arm doing this. The fingers don't move. So the point I'm making is it's important for us to understand that there are individual components that go with different things. And for me, what I found historically was I misplaced some of those things. And because I misplaced them, what ended up happening was the filter through which I interpreted what God wanted to do in my life and how we wanted to do it was at a tangent. And what God's began to show to me is the importance and the significance of putting the pieces together in the right place. Because when you get them right, all of a sudden what God's doing takes on a completely different context and I begin to understand what he's doing, how I partner with him, and how the two can walk together as one. How can two walk together unless they agree? The challenge with it is I don't always, my, my heart and my intention is not to be separate from God, but sometimes what ends up happening is I end up frustrated because I want more of what God's all about. I'm looking for more of his presence. I'm looking for more of, of his participation in my life. I'm looking more for more evidence in my life of God manifesting himself through me, and I don't always understand why it doesn't appear the way that I'm looking for. And sometimes it's because my people perish for lack of knowledge. It's not because he doesn't want to do it. It's because I have a mis, uh, um, under, uh, uh, an understanding that's a little bit off-center. So I'm deflecting some stuff as opposed to taking it in the, the way that God wants us to. So it's important for us to begin to understand the fact that we have parts to our spirit being. You're not just spirit blank, a mass of stuff. And when I die, this stuff goes to heaven. Understand God is a spirit being. And if you're looking for a point of context for spirit, have a look at God. Because God has capacities that we would have as a spirit being. God thinks. God has intellect. God has reason. God has understanding. God feels. God has affections. God makes decisions. God judges things. God has a will. All of these things are spirit in nature because he has no physical being. The thing with it is, for me for a long time, I used to scribble that stuff and I wrote it off to my brain without understanding, hold on a second, when I take it out of my brain and I put it into a spiritual context, suddenly I begin to realize that those things are not purely influenced by my natural and by my world and by my environment. They don't always have to be conformed to what's happening in the reality of my world, but suddenly I'm afforded the opportunity to make them new, to be transformed. And I recognize that those things all of a sudden can move into God's space. And when God comes into that place and begins to touch that stuff, it begins to touch the fundamentals of who I am. So we have parts to our spirit that we need to begin to understand. It will be helpful to. You wove me in my mother's womb, and I will give thanks to you, because I am awesomely and wonderfully made. You know what makes you so awesome and wonderful? Is that God said, you know what, I'm going to create a being that carries with it the capacity and the ability to relate to me that I can have relationship with that being, that the being can relate to me. 
We can have understanding. We can have an appreciation for one another. It puts them in a place where it affords me the opportunity to be able to take the things of who I am and impart it to them so that it starts to give definition to who they are and how they live and how they see life and the way that they think and the way that they understand and their disposition to dealing with the situations of life. He said, I've created you with that capacity. But I'm not only going to leave you as a spirit being. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to take spirit and I'm going to put it inside of body so that you can become a living soul. Spirit together with body. And I'm going to put you in an environment that I'm going to create for you called the natural. It's your domain. And so as a being, we have the capacity and the ability to be able to relate to God and to be able to relate to our world. We're fearfully and wonderfully made. We have the capacity and the ability to be able to relate to both of those contexts. Wonderful are your works, and my soul knows it very well. Do you know what the celebration is? He's talking about God's works in the context of my soul knows it really well. What he's saying is, who I am as a spirit being, living in relationship with you and in the domain in which you've placed me, can celebrate what a wonderful job you've done. So it starts to set a context for us. We will begin to understand the fact that there are parts to who we are that begin to constitute our spirit being. And it's important for us to understand that so we can begin to walk into the things of God. I started speaking about this last year. It's the difference between the fact that we have a mind and we have a brain. And the reason that it's important is because your brain is a physical attribute. It's an organ. It sits in your head. And when you die, the brain will die with it. So think about this from this context. It becomes important and consequential because if you're a spirit being and everything that houses your knowledge and your understanding, everything that houses your identity rests in your brain, when your brain dies, what happens to you? But you don't die. You don't die. You go and you live with Christ. Absent from the body, present with the Lord. What goes to the Lord? It can't be my spirit without me. Who are you? It's your mind, not your brain. They're separate things. And so it becomes important because we begin to understand that the relationship that exists between my spirit and the natural world is a relationship between my mind, which is the spirit, me, my identity, my ability to be able to make decisions about who I am and what I'm about and what defines who I am. It's relationship between that and my brain, the physical being, the physical entity, which becomes the governing body over my body over my feelings. It tells my body what to do. It takes inputs from what I hear and what I see. It gains all of that stuff and it feeds that information to my mind. The two are linked. There is a relationship between the two of them. It's called a living soul, but they are not the same thing. So it was interesting because this last week when I was doing a little bit of research to try and find out about this, I came across an article and I thought, you know, this is a smart person was a neuroscientist. 
And so I'm going to read you what they had to say about stuff. But it was interesting because they approach it from a scientific point of view. And they have something to say about the separation of the two. Please always remember this. I love discovering stuff from science because it gives a scientific validation to certain spiritual principles. But remember this. Our starting point with everything is always the word of God and God. That's where you start. Because the this, this spirit side of things, and when you start with the word of God and God, it takes into account God's perspective, which includes everything which is spiritual. The problem with science is science doesn't have a context for spirit being, spirit stuff. Everything about science has to do with something which is tangible, which is accessible, which is measurable. And so the problem with it is it's created a little bit of a conundrum for science because they recognize the fact that there is a separation and there is a difference between our brain and our mind, but they don't know where the mind is because the mind is spirit, but they know it exists. So this was an article that I found and it was written by Dr. Caroline Leaf. She's a neuroscientist. So this is what she had to say. For many people, the mind and the brain are interchangeable. They use one word or the other to talk about the same thing, the organ in our skull that we use to think. However, the mind and the brain are actually two very different but interconnected entities. As a neuroscientist, this reality is the foundation of my life's research and work. The mind works through the brain, but is separate from the brain. So what exactly is the difference between the mind and the brain? Well, the mind is separate, yet inseparable from the brain. The mind uses the brain, and the brain responds to the mind. The mind also changes the brain. People choose their actions. In other words, the mind chooses their actions. Their brains do not force them to do anything. Yes, there would be no conscious experience without the brain, but experience cannot be reduced to the brain's actions. The mind is energy. It's spirit. It generates energy through thinking, feeling, and choosing. It is our aliveness. It's who you are. Without which the physical brain and body would be useless. That means we are our mind, and our mind in action is how we generate energy in the brain. This is a major part of the activity we pick up with brain technology. When we generate this mind energy through thinking, feeling, and choosing, we build thoughts which are physical structures in our brain made of proteins. This building of thoughts creates structural changes in the brain called neuroplasticity. The brain is an extremely complex neuroplastic responder. This essentially means each time it is stimulated by your mind, it responds in various ways, including neurochemical, genetic, and electromagnetic changes. The brain is never the same because it changes with every experience you have, every moment of every day. In sum, your mind is how you uniquely experience life. It is responsible for how you think, feel, and choose. And your physical brain merely responds to these unique experiences. Well, that's what neuroscience has to say about stuff, which is quite interesting. 
So we begin to recognize the fact that we have these different attributes. And so when we have a look at these different attributes, the mind being spirit, and I, ultimately that is your identity, it's who you are. And I'll speak about, I'm going to cover some stuff today. This is the foundational things. I'm going to get into more detail about it in the weeks ahead. But that's your identity. That's who you are. That's what chooses. That's what makes choices. That's what makes decisions. That's what instructs your brain to do what your brain does. So it becomes quite important for us because we begin to have a look at certain components and aspects of the mind, and it's important for us to begin to recognize what is God's plan and purpose for them? What is your imagination, and where is it? What is wisdom? What are thoughts? What are ideas? When God speaks about understanding, where is understanding and what is it? What is information? And how's it, how does it affect you as opposed to something like revelation? Where is your will? How do you choose? Where do feelings come from? All of these things are really important aspects to who we are and what we're all about. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to cover them as we get into it in more detail because each one of them has a purpose. Each one of them is intentionally there for a reason. It's not just random stuff that exists in terms of who we are. And what I've began to discover for myself is that as I've begun to be able to get an understanding and a definition as to what each one of these things are, each of them play a role in, our, most importantly, our relationship with God and how it allows God to influence who we are and what we're all about. It becomes the instrument for change. I spoke last week about the fact that you're a new creation in Christ. Old things are passed away, and all things have become new. When God speaks about all things becoming new, he's talking about everything that used to constitute our being is part of our history. From the moment that Jesus came into that space, you became a brand new creation. And what he's saying is, you're walking into newness. Everything that I brought with me is about redefining who you are and what you're all about. And so he's going to work with us in a practical way to be able to take the things of God, to take the power of God, and so that we're able to experience those things in a, in a way that affects our being and who we are. What he says to us is, I need for you to understand something. Your ways and your thoughts are not mine. As the heavens are above the sun, so my thoughts and my ways are different to yours. What he's saying is, there is a way that you used to live that's, that defined your history. He's talking about conforming in a nutshell. What he's saying is for you to walk into newness, it becomes important for you to understand that the ideas that constitute your being are going to shift and change because they're not going to come from the source that used to define you, your environment. They're going to come from me. My thoughts and my ideas are higher than yours. The opportunity and the invitation is to allow things that are from him to give redefinition to who I am. So they're coming to the space called my being and they're bringing with them God's power to be able to bring about change so that my future doesn't look anything like my past. He's talking about the fact that his ways are different to our ways. The invitation is going back to his original design. We're to live from relationship with him. Stop going to your world. Stop going to, to the environment in which you find yourself to give definition to who yourself, to who you are. What he's saying is, I want for you to realize that in this space, the invitation exists to have relationship with me and to live from a relating to one another. 
His ways are different to our ways. So God's going to do some stuff in our life that's going to come from him. Our mind houses our intellectual faculties. Now you all have to think about that, hey? Your intellectual faculties, basically, is your ability to reason and your ability to understand. I used to think that was all about the brain, but it's not. Your ability to reason and your ability to understand as a, an attribute of your mind puts you in a place where you have access to your world in one dimension. So when you access your brain, you go to your world. Alternatively, you can go to God and relationship with him and allow him to make deposits into your life that defines your reason and your understanding. I'll get into that in a little while. The thing about it is those things become really important to us. They become the crux of things because your identity isn't just randomly developed. I didn't just become who I am and I don't know how it happened. We became who we were as a result of our reasoning and our understanding. And the challenge with it was, what, de what defined our reasoning and our understanding were not necessarily things that came from God. And so what ended up happening is we became conformed to the environments in which we found ourselves, the stimulus and the inputs that where we found ourselves in. And the invitation that God extends to us is to sit and say, you know what, I want to do something in your life and I'm going to take my thoughts and my ways and my ideas and I'm going to introduce it so that your reasoning gets transformed, so that your understanding of who you are and who God is and what the world is all about is going to become something which is defined by my vision and who I am. It'll change your perspective and it'll change your identity. My ways are not your ways and my thoughts are not your ways, but you grab onto them and you hold onto them and you give them access to your life and it'll change your reality and it'll change your future. Philippians 3 verses 10 to 14. Good grief, how did the time get to be there? All these other people have got so much time. <laughs> Philippians 3 verses 10 to 14, I'm going to read it out of the Passion. And I continually long to know the wonders of Jesus. This is Paul. He uses that word intentionally. He didn't say, I'm here to understand and I'm wanting to have information about Jesus. He didn't say that. He said, I want to know. What he was saying was, I'm looking for who he is and, and, I, and, and for the fullness of who Christ is to invade my being. I want it to be something that redefines who I am, how I think, how I live. I want it to, to redefine the very substance of who I am so that I know him in terms of my view and my perspective and the way that I walk through life and my actions, my behaviors and my feelings. I want him to define my being. I long to know the wonders of Jesus and to experience the overflowing power of his resurrection working in me. We don't have enough power. When you touch God, you touch power. This is a big thing for me. This is just where I am right now. But we don't have enough power. I don't have enough power. 
When we relate to God, you're touching the creator of everything. When God speaks, things happen. Understand what the invitation is. The invitation is the ability to be able to relate and to be able to connect with the source of all power. We can't touch power and not have power in our life. That's who he is. I want to know his power. I want to know his power. I don't want information about God. I've I've had so much information about God. I want to touch his power. I want his being to come into the space. I want him to redefine who I am. I want to know him and I want to experience his power. It's the journey. Never be content with information. Never settle for information. The invitation is so much deeper. And if you can get into that space and you can get with him, you can't spend time with power without being touched by power. I long to know the wonders of Jesus and experience the overflowing power Experience the overflowing power of his resurrection working in me. I will be one with him in his suffering and become like him in his death. Only then will I be able to experience complete oneness with him in his resurrection from the realm of death. God's not trying to fix you. He's trying to make you new. I'm not trying to fix you. I'm trying to make you new. The invitation is to die. And so as Jesus' Lord comes into that space, he's always going to introduce us to life. And as I walk in relationship with him, the invitation that he always extends to me is, let's put that to death, because nothing good's going to come of that. I'll tell you what, let's kill that so that you can inherit this. To know him in his sufferings and his death. What a joy. What he's saying is, I want you to pass up on the old life so that you can step into newness. I want you to, in the fullness, begin to understand and have an appreciation that old things have passed away. Let them die. All things are becoming new. Jesus as Lord is stepping into that place. Jesus as Lord is coming into that environment. Jesus as Lord is stepping into those places that, you know what, I've always wanted to define. And some things I hold on to for dear life because they're so close to my heart. But if you don't let them die, you never experience newness. I admit that I haven't acquired the absolute fullness that I'm pursuing. But I run with passion into his abundance. The invitation is for passionate people. If you're happy going to church, you're not passionate. If you're happy just doing a little spot here and there, you're not passionate. Power is reserved for the passionate. 
And I'll tell you why. I never really understood this, but I thought about it more and more. The thing about it is, power is a function of proximity. How close are you to him? People who are distant never experience power. But people who are close and intimate with him, they're touched by the power, they experience the power, and they live by the power. Passionate people. That I may reach the purpose for which Christ laid hold of me to make me his own. Christ's purpose. There's Christ's purpose in your life. Christ's purpose in your life is, I want you to realize the fullness of what it is to be a new creation in Christ. When you become a new creation in Christ, you can celebrate what it is to be a son and daughter. Every part of me born of God. Yes, I'm born again. Yes, I've got the life of God on the inside of me. I celebrate all of those things. Now the Holy Spirit is going to work with me so that I can recognize what that is and that I can take that and I begin to experience that in my life on an ongoing basis. He's going to touch all the individual aspects of who you are. He's going to get into your reasoning. He's going to get into your intellect. He's going to get into your understanding. He's going to get into your feeling. He's going to get into your will. He's going to get into all of those things. And you know, oh, hold on. I'm jumping ahead of myself. See, it's the next verse. To make me his own. I don't depend on my own strength to accomplish this, however. I do have one compelling focus. Okay, and then I'll get down to it. I don't depend on my own strength. What he's saying is this. Grace did it all. Grace did it all. I'll touch on that. I, if you've got to go, I'll t- I'm just going to finish this. And if you go, I understand some people have got to leave. Um, the thing about it was, was, I don't do it in my own strength. What he's saying is this. There's some stuff. Power's going to do some stuff in my life that I can't do. And when I open myself to to relationship with him, God is going to put some stuff into my life that's going to change some things. You see, the thing about it was, as a mind that was available and accessible through my brain, I got information. And all the information I got as an input put me in a place where it gave me some understanding, but it set me on a journey where I was going to start to to define my future and what it looked like. And all of a sudden, Paul said, you know what? All things have passed away. All things have become brand new. I'm not going there's a source of my life anymore I'm going to relationship with him as a source of my life because when I go to him as the relation as the source of my life relationship doesn't give me information relationship gives me revelation revelation comes with power revelation says you know what Jesus did everything for you and everything that the Holy Spirit opens up to us that invites us into comes with the power to make it happen every time he puts something into my life through revelation it infuses and informs my reasoning and my understanding it's spread all over my imagination it begins to redefine the very parts of who I am and it's not because I try to do it it's because something of him got on the inside of me and it carries with it its own life and its own power not by my own being not by my own strength but through what he's going to do I forget oh no that's not it where was I up to yeah I have one compelling focus I forget the past as I focus my Heart, heart to the future. The essence of your heart is your mind. 
It's who you are. When he talks about the heart, he's talking about the central parts of your being. He's talking about essentially you are a spirit being. But the spirit being is not just a mass of spirit there. Your spirit being has the capacity and the ability to be able to make choices, to make decisions, to agree, to dissent. All of those things are from your heart. What he's saying is the essence of everything is in that space. What Paul is saying is, I recognize something. I've begun to understand that I'm not my brain. I'm my mind. And my mind doesn't necessarily have to always defer to my brain. My mind gives me access to relationship with him. And when I live out of relationship with him, all of a sudden things start to happen in my life because he becomes the source of my life. He becomes the power of my life. He infuses my life with who he is. And as a result of that, my being, begins to shift and change and I experience him and I know him and his power becomes real to me. I run straight for the divine invitation. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Who opens? The invitation is always there, but we have to make a choice whether we accept it or not. I had somebody to come to see me this week because they were very, very upset and offended about something that I'd said. And I confronted them with the fact that it's not about me, but this is what the Word of God says. Do you want to hold that? Or do you want Him to come in and bring healing to that space so that He can set you free and change what your future is. And they said, essentially, thanks, but no thanks. It's too important to me. We think we don't do that with God. But I can tell you the stuff that's very close to our heart. We're amazed at how so many times. I just can't let it go. of reaching the heavenly goal of gaining the victory prize through the anointing of Jesus. It's the anointing that's going to do it. It's the anointing that's going to do it. Who is the I in this verse? I will be one with him. I admit that I haven't yet acquired the fullness that I may reach. I depend. I do have one compelling. I run straight for. Who is the I? It's his mind. That was the revelation that Paul had. Everything in here has to do with who I am. It's my mind and the essence of what that is. And when, it, it, when God moves into that space, things begin to happen in my life. Oh, sorry, I ran out of time. Let me, can, let me just read. Can I read two more verses? I just, because it's, I, I, I'm, let me just, Romans 12 verse 2. Be not... Do not be conformed to this world. What he's saying is, recognize this as a spirit being that has mind and the ability to choose. 
You don't have to go to where you used to go as the source for your life. Stop going to your brain, which gives you the input from your physical body and what you feel and the urges that you have and the appetites that you have and the environment that you find yourself in and everybody else's opinion and everybody else's idea. Stop going there. Stop being conformed. We conform when our mind defaults to our brain and gives it free access. He says, stop it. Your future is supposed to be different to your past. But be transformed, metamorpho, changed into another form, the same image as Christ. What he's saying is, your mind, the spirit part of who you are, is to become something new. And it's not going to become something new as long as you continue living with the ways you used to live. My ways are not your ways. Get out of that and come into relationship. Because when you come into relationship, all of a sudden, there are impartations that happen into your life that are spiritual in nature and they come from God. And because they carry his nature, what ends up happening is they carry within them the life to be able to make sure that that, when it's deposited in your life, changes and transforms us. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's making the mind new. It's a complete change that is better affected by the Holy Spirit. I want to read one last thing to you. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 9 to 14. The reason that I want to read this to you is is to understand this. The work that God wants to do in us is going to be a work that is affected by the Holy Spirit. But understand how the Holy Spirit is going to work. The Holy Spirit isn't going to come to your brain and give you information. The Holy Spirit relates to us spirit to spirit. Spirit to spirit. Romans chapter 8 verse 16 says, The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. The Spirit, uppercase S, the Holy Spirit, bears witness with our spirit. My spirit. That we are children of God. What it's saying is the relationship exists spirit through spirit. 1 Corinthians 2 verses 9 to 14. But as it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through his spirit. He has revealed them. Revelation to our spirit. The Holy Spirit is wanting to have relationship and interaction with our spirit. It's not some random thing, some like airy, fairy, ghost stuff that the Holy Spirit is just speaking to. He's speaking to an individual. He's speaking to you. He's speaking to your mind. That's who you are. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? What he's saying is the things, your appetites of your flesh, your brain, all of those things, your your mind, your spirit has the capacity to understand those things. Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches. The Holy Spirit teaches. The Holy Spirit is spirit to spirit. Comparing spiritual things with spiritual. The natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. Nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. 
I haven't got time to get into any more stuff. Sorry, I ran on long. What I want to leave you with is this. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are complex as an individual. You have physical components to you, and you probably know those. That's fine. Don't worry too much about that. God is far more interested in getting you to understand and have an appreciation for what constitutes your spirit being. Understand all those different variables that come into play, all those different parts of who you are, and to know that He is looking to have influence in each of those one, each of those components. Each of those things is there for a reason with intentionality. And when we begin to understand what they are and we allow the Holy Spirit to come into that space and be, begin to have influence on each one of those things, I change because his word, his revelation comes with power. And when it comes with power, I get to know him and experience his power. So there's the foundation. We kind of started getting into it for next week. I really want to encourage you to come because I'm going to build on the step by step and we begin to understand how we were able to partner with God in an incredible way. And if you kind of feel as though you got born again and you're frustrated with your experience because it's not all that you really feel as it was cracked up to be, the opportunity is there for us to begin to recognize some things and change some variables around. And I can promise you the Holy Spirit, as we begin to open some parts, will flood your life. And it'll change your relationship with Him, and it'll change who you are, and it will change your future. We serve the God of the miraculous. I'm going to pray now, but at the end of this, if you need God's touch in an area of your life, please come up here so people can pray with you. Let God move into that space and let him do some stuff that you're not capable of doing in and of yourself. Father, I thank you for Jesus. I thank you for the price that he paid so that we can move to a space where we get to know him where we can allow the fullness of who he is, his goodness, his love, his grace, his life, to flood our lives. As we open ourselves up, I want to thank you that truth moves in and begins to redefine us. I thank you for the power that comes from relationship with you. We don't just have a form of godliness, something that's defined by information. But our lives are defined by the very power of the Holy Spirit. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will just work with each one of us. Take off the blinkers and those things that limit our ability to see from your perspective. I pray for spiritual eyes, things that see you, us, ourselves, and life from your perspective. I thank you for a week that's full of opportunity, that's full of blessing. I thank you for a week where we get to discover more of who you are. 
We bless you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.